Thanks for tuning into this week's message. For more resources and information about Cedar Valley, please visit cvchurch.org. We've uh, started the series two weeks ago called Rebound, and the whole idea behind the Rebound series is we're, we're casting vision. Here's where we're going this year, and this is what we're going to do. And, and I use the silly sports analogy that when you play basketball, typically you're either on offense or defense. And when you stay in, in, and play on defense, you just wait, you wait, you wait, you wait. The shot goes up. Now you rebound. As soon as you rebound, you're on offense. And my contention is, I think for a little bit, maybe it's just me, I could be the only one, but I think we've been in this holding pattern for the last two years. Or we're just kind of like, mm, let's just circle the wagons. and Let's just, you know, we've kind of been like that. It feels like a little bit. And I want you to know the, the rebound is, is, uh, has been taken and we're going. And this year we're back on the move. We are going. And so some of that has to do with what we're doing and some of it is in our mindset. But we're going again. We're moving. This is, I always say this, we're not some corporation that, that uh, we, we report to shareholders. We are the church we have the most vital, the most important, the most significant mission in the world, and we answer to a holy God, and we're going. So we're going to talk about, uh, about that a bit. Now, we started with week one, and we started looking back in the book of, of Joshua. And you remember this, that, that uh, Moses had, had finished, and he's, he's getting ready to lead people into the promised land, but his time is done, and, and he passed away, and now it's up to Joshua. And now you get toward the end of the book of Joshua, Joshua chapters 23 and 24, and it's kind of Joshua's farewell speech. He knows he's getting ready to go on. Right? And so he tells the people, hey, listen, here's the deal. Um, I've assigned the land. Like what they did is they took the promised land as they'd entered into it. And he's already allotted it. He's, he's parceled it out. And he said, this tribe is going to get this land and this tribe is going to get this land. And so he, he talks about the fact that I've allotted those lands that we've already conquered. And I've allotted and I've assigned those lands that have not yet been conquered. The message was this. There's still work to be done. Right? There's still work to do. And I would say that to the church. There is work to do. We are nowhere near finished. There's work to do. We've got to be aware of that. And so then Joshua talked to him and he said, hey, listen, God is going to fight these battles for you. God is going to fight these battles. So here's what you need to do. And we would have expected him to say, hey, you're going to battle. God's going to fight the battle. Here's what you need to do. Well, you need to sharpen your swords and you need to get a shield ready and you need to tighten your helmets and maybe you throw an extra rock in your pocket, we said. Like maybe you're doing stuff like that. That's not what Joshua said to them at all. God's going to fight the battle. You're going to have victory. So he said, so here's what you should do. So be careful to follow everything Moses wrote in the book of instruction. Translation, so be obedient. So be right with God in your relationship with God. God's going to fight the battles. Therefore, we got to be right with God. And you get about a chapter later and he tells them the same thing. God's going to fight this battle. God is going to fight this victory. God is going to give you victory. And so here's what I want you to do. And this time he says it like this. So here's what you should do. Fear the Lord and serve him wholeheartedly. Wholeheartedly means just God, singular, only God. He said, here's the deal. You've started to worship some of those idols that your folks were worshiping. Put those idols away. Get rid of those idols. Serve God wholeheartedly. And I would say this. I think there are some idols that have entered into the church. Now, this may not be you. And again, I could just be talking to myself. But I think comfort has become an idol. I think security has become an idol. Right? Security is not a Christian value. Dawn and dawn. Like, they, when they were up here, they weren't looking for security. They're over in a, in a place that we can't even say because people will find out about it. And I just wonder if those have become our idols. And we're worshiping those. And I would say, we've got to put those away, and we've just got to worship God. We've just got to worship God. And then the second week, if you remember this, last week, we talked about, hey, why do we do this anyway? 
Like, why do we do church? Why, what's the big why of our mission? We call it the why. And we saw very clearly, we studied a passage of Scripture that is known as the Great Commission. Here is our mission. It's a co-mission. We're in it with God. We're in it with each other, right? And the co-mission was Jesus speaking, and he said this, Therefore, go and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Now he said, therefore, which makes you wonder, well, what did he just said previous to that? Well, just previous, right before that, he said this, All authority in heaven and earth has been given to me. And the inference was this, it's, a, it's almost a military type of talk, which says this, right? The, the captain gets the, the, the command, and he gives that to the sergeant, and then the sergeant gives it to the private. So the private knows that when they got it, it didn't just come from their sergeant, it came from up above. And it's not a suggestion, everyone. It is a command. And Jesus says, therefore, I've been given all authority, therefore. So this is a command. This is a, a command that we're given. Go and make disciples of all the nations. Right? Making disciples means helping people to grow in their faith, which somewhere along the line means they had to come and surrender their lives to Jesus. And we looked at this word go, and we said, hey, originally that's the Greek word. In the original language, it's the Greek word poriumai. And, and, and it's, it's the, the verb tense is present tense, and it's known as present tense imperfect, which is a really nerdy way to say this, that what it really means is not go. What it really means is as you are going. Right? As you're going to school, as you're going to practice, as you're going to work, as you're going about the neighborhood, as you go to the store, as you're wherever, make disciples. As you are going, poor oh you am I, make disciples. It's not just for some who would go, it's for all of us as we go about our business. And he says, we're, we're furthermore, not only that, we're, we're to teach them. We're to teach them. So, so that's our why, because it's been commanded to us by Christ. Now this week, if that was the why, I would call this week the what. We're going to talk about the what. What are we going to do? Usually when we think of what, we do think, what are we doing? What are we going to do? We won't have a primary text this morning. We'll be in the scriptures, but I won't have a primary text. It's okay. I got special dispensation from the district. It's going to be all right, everybody. Right? But usually when we think of the what, we think of what are we going to do? And I just want to make this point this morning, and I think this is really important. They were human beings, not human doings. And so this morning, along with what we're going to do, what we're really talking about this morning is, what are we going to be? Who are we going to be? How are we going to be? I'll have four B's for you. I think they're in your notes that were handed to you in your bulletin. So we'll go through each of these. We'll talk about each of these. And this is our focus for this year. This is the things that we're going to focus. At the very end of the service, I've got a great reminder for you, a special reminder. So just hang in there. This is the first of the B's. And the first one is this. This year, what we're going to focus on is being here. We're going to be here. Now, I'll talk about this just a minute and try to give some context and some understanding about it. But I want to go to the book of Hebrews. We think the writer of the book of Hebrews was the Apostle Paul. We're not 100% sure. We think it was the Apostle Paul. And the Apostle Paul is writing to Jewish Christians, hence the name Hebrews, Jewish Christians who are suffering pretty horrifically. Uh, Nero is the ruler. You know this, that Nero had this grandiose idea of what the city of Rome would look like, what the Roman Empire would look like, and he didn't like it the way it currently was, and so what's he do? He lights the place on fire, and for days and days, the city of Rome burned. Well, people are pretty unhappy about that. Nero doesn't want to take the blame, so what's he do? He blames it on the Christians, 
So, so as a result, they are not well-liked and they're suffering persecution. So now we think the Apostle Paul writes to them and he says, Hey, let us hold tightly without wavering to the hope we affirm, for God can be trusted to keep his promise. In other words, don't bail. Folks were thinking about bailing out on Christianity. It's just getting difficult. And they were thinking about bailing and leaving the faith. And he's saying, no, 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 let us hold tightly without wavering to the faith that we affirm, to this faith, this idea that Jesus Christ actually was crucified for our sins and rose from the dead, validating that he was God. Don't abandon the faith. And further he says, because God can be trusted to keep his promise that I'll deliver you, that there is eternal life. Right? So he's talking to these Christians. And then he goes on and he says this. Hey, also, let, let's do this. I don't want you to demand of faith, so let's do this. Let's think of ways to motivate one another to acts of love and good works. Let's, let's, let's do that. This word motivate also means to provoke, to stir up, some translations say, to encourage. The original word in the Greek almost has a kind of meaning to it. Does that translate? It's kind of like, it's kind of like aggressive. It's aggressive. He said, hey, listen, things are getting tough. I don't want you to abandon the faith. So let's do this. How can we provoke one another? How can we stir up one another? How can we motivate one another? How, how can we do that to acts of love and good works? In other words, how can we stimulate, motivate, encourage, provoke, stir each other up to actually live out our faith, to hang in there and live out our faith, right? And then he says this. Uh, I, I think this is very interesting. Um, he, he, he's going to kind of have this turn, and he says this. Let's do this. Here's how we're going to motivate, stir each other, provoke each other. Let's not neglect our meeting together as some people do. Now watch this, but. And I, and I make a big deal out of this all the time, I know. But means you're going this way, but. Do you understand? I'm headed this way, I'm headed this way, but. Usually means, on the other hand, the other side of it. So here's what we have. We have, we're neglecting our meeting together, but, but is the opposite. But is kind of the opposite. We don't meet together, we don't get together, we, we don't gather, or, but. And he says this, don't neglect our meeting together, but encourage one another. Just, just catch this for a minute, because I think this is important. Here we neglect to meet together, we neglect to gather, here we encourage each other, right? What's the opposite of not gathering, not meeting together? Meeting together, gathering Okay, we need to stir each other up. We need to provoke each other. We need to motivate each other to love and good works, to live out our faith, because things are difficult. We, we've got to do that. So we can either not meet together or we can meet together. We can either encourage each other or we can not encourage each other. And then he says this, which I think is significant, especially now that the day of his return is drawing near. They knew that the closer it came to the return of Christ, things would get more difficult. So in other words, especially as things get more and more difficult. Does that resonate with anybody? Okay, so can I just say this? I believe this. Now, listen, I just want to say this as gently and non-judgmental, and there's no shame in this. I, I think in the American church, we've gotten really lax on this. Eh, I might go to church, might not go to church. I have people say this to me all the time. Well, you know, technically, Neil, you don't have to go to church to be a Christian. And I used to always say, yeah, technically, that's probably right. And now I say, I don't know if that's true. I actually don't know if that's true. All the pronouns in the New Testament, plural. We, us, our. 
Christianity was never written in the context of you doing it alone. It was always written in the idea of community. Now, here's the deal. And if you watch online, there's no judgment here, so I want to say this as gently as I can. We created the online experience for people who are sick, sometimes people that have health conditions, sometimes you're out of town. We have a lot of our online viewers who don't even live in the country. We have a, a couple different countries that join us every Sunday morning. So I'm saying this gently, and this may not be you, but I think we've gotten very casual in our opinion of, really, it's a little cool this morning. Really, there's been just a little dusting of snow. I always get a kick. Pastor Jerry was here two weeks ago, and Jerry would say this on staff. Like, it's snowing like crazy, and it's about 86 below. You know, windshield is like 150. And people would say, you think we're going to have church? He would always say the same thing. Pastor, if you're watching, I always remember this. He'd just stand there for a minute, and then he'd go, I'm from New Fold in Minnesota. (laughs) Translation, folks, we're having church. Now, here's the thing you need to understand. Here's the thing you need to understand. We're we're, we're a team on a mission. We're one body. We're on a mission. We're advancing. The kingdom of God is moving forward. And if it's going to move forward, if it is, we've got to be encouraging each other. We've got to be provoking each other. We've got to be stimulating. We've got to be stirring it up. You know one way that we do that? We gather. We gather together. People will sometimes say, right now, people say, well, you know, I can get everything I need. Really, to be honest, I can get everything I need on on the sofa in my couch. And I'm like, but that's consuming. Christians, we're not consumers. We're contributors. We encourage. We build up. We pray for each other by the laying on of hands. Like, these just aren't things. So I just want to encourage and challenge all of us. Would we think differently? Can I also say this? When we encourage each other, we encourage each other, yes? Do you know how much encouraging it is to a visitor who walks in and goes, oh, there must be something to this because these folks meet. What's the encouragement to our neighborhood if they saw our parking lot packed every Sunday? What are those folks up to? And why is that such a big deal? And maybe I should stroll in there and check it out. And they happen to encounter God. So what if we re- renewed our commitment? Now, you, you can say this. Oh, you just want to preach to a bigger room. I've got enough pride. There's probably some truth to that. But I would also say this. Remember when we were in lockdown? You, know, you want to know what made my life really simple? What made my life really simple was we met in here on Tuesdays. We filmed on Tuesdays. They edited it. And then Sunday morning, I got up just like a lot of folks, put on my pajamas, right? Drank a cup of coffee. My life was cool. No, 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 man. Let's not forsake the assembly. The assembly did. Instead, let's stir it up. Let's provoke each other. Let's encourage each other. This year, can we renew ourselves to that? I know it's not the greatest time. I know it's a little inconvenient. I know it's a little chilly out there. I know, right? Let's gather. Now, again, if you have a legitimate health concern, I understand that. Right? If you're out of town, that's, that's part of what we've done for. But man, we've got to encourage each other and build. If we're going to advance the kingdom, if, now, if we just want to be a social club, that's cool. If we just want to be another civic, but you know, we're not. And we're not going to be. I'm just asking you, can we rethink that? Can we recommit ourselves to gathering, encouraging? Right? Number one is be here. Here's the second one. More than just being here, we need to be connected. That's a whole other step. We need to be connected. Like, we need to connect to each other. Why, why is it that we need to be connected? Now, we looked at this last week. We just looked at it a second ago. Jesus says, therefore, go and make disciples. That's what we're about, making disciples. Right? Listen, we say this on our staff and here all the time. Discipleship 
is done in relationship. You, you, you can't disciple folks. Further, in the very next verse after this, he says this. Hey, teach these disciples, these new disciples, to obey all the commands that I've given you. Teach them to obey the commands. Teach them the Christian life. Help them. You teach each other. You speak into each other's lives. Now think about this. Just think for a minute. You see somebody who you know professes to be a follower of Jesus. You don't really know them, but you know they profess to be a follower of Jesus. And you see them out in public somewhere, and they're acting like an idiot, right? And, and you want to approach them and talk to them about it. So you do that, and you know what they say in their head? You don't know me. You don't know me. I'm not really interested in hearing from you. Now, now just reverse that. Now reverse that. You're out there acting like an idiot. I know that doesn't happen, but let's just pretend for a minute. You're out there acting like an idiot. And somebody comes to you, and they want to address you, and you know what you say in your head? You don't know me. See, it's done in relationship. A lot of the crazy things that we post on social media, one of the reasons that they're so crazy is because you just throw them out there into the social media world where you have no relationships with people. A lot of these things have to be done in relationship. How do we do that? We connect. That's why we push everybody into life groups. That's why we think life groups are so important. That's why we think that's so crucial. It's in relationship. It's in relationship. Now, relative to that, we're going to make a fairly big change here. We've prayed about this. We've talked about it for months and months and months and months. We've prayed about it, and in particular since COVID. Uh, This is a very interesting piece, by the way. Uh, The Pew Research uh, Institute, which does a lot of research in the church world, right? They're a nonpartisan organization. And they said, hey, in your worship services, you have three, three major components. You have the sermon, you have corporate worship, and then you have what goes on interpersonally. Right? You have a sermon, you have corporate worship, and you have all this stuff that goes on interpersonally. And they surveyed people, and they said during the lockdown and then even coming out of COVID when things were really weird, which one of those three did you miss the most? What do you think? No question. No question. It wasn't even close. It wasn't even close. They said what I missed was the interaction, the connection with people. We want that. We want to create that. So here's the change that we're going to make. And just know this. We pray about these things. We talk to staff. We talk to other pastors. We, 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 starting the first Monday, uh, Sunday in March, which is the 6th. Now, just prepare for this. We're going to one service. We're going to one service. We prayed about this during COVID. The problem was coming out of COVID, we couldn't. Because you had to sit about every third row. And then we were masking. We couldn't wear, share the same pen. You remember all that? Everybody got to keep your distance. You come in, and then you have to leave. And people have just missed that. We believe that what can happen is if we go to one service, then we can do some things during that, what used to be the second service, we can do some things very intentionally to help people connect. We think we can do that. And not only that, but we say this all the time, be in a life group, be in a life group, be in a life group. Some of you know what I'm talking about because you've come here in the last year, and even in a year you're like, be in a life group? I don't know any of these people. Could we create some baby steps that allow you to get to know some folks? We think we can do, we think we can do a better job of that. You know, you forget this. Our room seats 1750. 1750. The average church in America today is 100. Did you know that? The average church in America today is 100. Okay, even if you put, let's just say, 500 in this room, 400 in this room, in a room that seats 1750, it just feels awkward. We see 1750 folks, we got more than enough room for everybody to be safe. So be praying about that. We don't take that lightly. We think it's a positive. We just saw what happens at things like house party. It's so good. We were in the atrium and people are connecting and we think that's a positive. The service would be at 930. 
And so you get, you get 15 minutes more sleep. The good news is you'll still, we'll still have you out of here before the Viking game starts, okay? Everybody relax. And at this time of the year, it doesn't really matter, does it? Okay. <laughs> so I'm just saying, be praying about that. We want everybody to come with us. It's going to be a big change for us. So number one, let's commit to being here in this year. Why? Because we want to advance the kingdom. And that's a simple part we can do, right? Let's commit to really being connected. Let's dig in. You can still sign up for life groups today. If you didn't get in a life group, take a giant risk. I'm asking you to take a giant risk. Join a life group. You can still do that today. And then number three, I want you to think of this. Be, number three, be inviting, be inviting. Now, not just do inviting. I'm saying be inviting. Be inviting. So let's talk about that just a little bit. There's a great, there's a great uh, story. It's one of my favorite stories in the Bible. It's in John chapter 4. And it's, it, it says this. Then Jesus explains. So here's the story. Jesus is down in Judea. Jerusalem happens to be a city in Judea. And things are really bubbling up. And things are really getting hot. And the religious officials are really getting antsy. And they're getting really perturbed with Jesus. And Jesus knows in his head it's not time for him to be crucified yet. And so he's going to cool things down a little bit in Judea, in Jerusalem. And so he says, hey, I'm I'm going to go up north. I'm going to head up north. Now remember, Judea, Samaria, Galilee, the three regions. And he's in Judea. And he's got to go to Galilee. So the Bible says Jesus had to go through Samaria. And we go, of course he does geographically. It doesn't work that way. It's not, that's not what that meant. Because here's what Jews would do. If a Jew had to go from Judea to Galilee, they don't go through Samaria. What they actually do is they cross the Jordan River, leave the Promised Land, travel north. When they get up past Samaria, they cross the Jordan River and they go back into the Promised Land. Because Samaritans live in Samaria and we hate them. That's how they felt. That's how they felt. It's like this. You live in, in Missouri and you got to go to Minnesota. Folks, you don't want to go through Iowa? No, I'm just kidding. I grew up in Iowa. I grew up in Iowa. Okay. But I'm just saying, you would literally step over into Illinois, up into Wisconsin, and then cross back over the border. That's what they did. We don't don't do that. We love Iowa. Don't we? Come on. We love Iowans, right? And so it says this. He had to go through. Why? Because he had a specific woman that he had to meet. And so they get into Samaria, and he tells the disciples, you guys go, go get food. Go get food for us. So they go get food. Meanwhile, Jesus has a crazy encounter with a Samaritan woman, has a great conversation, reveals to her that he's actually the Messiah, right? Now the disciples come back, and, and they've gone to get food, and they say, hey, Jesus, you, you got to eat some of this food. you got to get your strength up. you get, you got to be nourished, right? Then Jesus explained, and he says, my nourishment comes from doing the will of God who sent me and from finishing his work, right? In other words, there's more than just food. There's more than just food. Remember when Jesus said, man does not live on bread alone. Okay, he's saying that. My nourishment comes from doing the work of my father. Then he says this, you know the old saying, four months between planting and and harvest. And there was a proverb that they used that time that would say, hey, there's four months between planting and harvest. And when they would use it is when you're all uptight, you're like, come on, we got to go, we got to go, we got to hurry up, we got to hurry up. And they would go, hey, psst, relax. There's four months between planting and harvest. Like my wife, needs, you need to just write that down and say that all the time, right? I'm always uptight. We got to be early. We got to go. And she's like, there's four months between planting and harvest. And it was Jesus telling them, hey, you've heard that? You've heard that? You've heard the saying like, everybody just relax. You've heard that parallel? Right. Jesus says, but I say, wake up. Look around. The fields are ready and ripe for earth. Jesus is saying, I'm saying to you, chop, chop. Sense of urgency. 
The harvest is already ripe. It's ready to go. Well, is he talking about, do you mean we should go out and pick? Is that what he's saying? And then further, he explains it. And he says, the harvesters are paid good wages. And by the way, the fruit of the harvest is people brought to eternal life. Chop, chop, everybody. The harvest is ripe. There are souls that need to come to know Jesus, and we got to wake up. You know what we're going to do? We're going to be inviting. We're going to be inviting. Now, let me tell you a fun story. And, and, and I'll, I'll just try to tell you this as anonymous as I can so nobody's made to feel awkward, right? But about... A month ago, something like that, uh, I was with two other knuckleheads from this church. There's one of them right over there. And you're, we'll, we'll just call you, uh, Gary, we'll call you Knucklehead One. We'll just call you, you can be Knucklehead One. And so we were having lunch at this restaurant, and we had the greatest server. We just had the greatest server. She was just so pleasant and just, you know, and so I was very, I was actually very pleasant. You guys were the rude, and you guys were treating her like in a mean way, you know. And so you know, they were just giving her the business. That was really fun. And we started joking with her, and and something came up, and Gary, you said something about church or something. She goes, oh, wait. She kind of looked at me like, you pastor at church? You know? And so Gary invited her. Gary just invited her just like that. She's like, ah, oh, that's so awesome. We're looking for a church, blah, 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 blah. About two weeks ago, I tried to stand at a different door early before the service. I'm standing out here, right, at door two. Boom, she walks in with a boyfriend. You know why? Be inviting uh, poro you, oh my, everybody, as you are going, as you are going, as you are going about your business, as you are going to work, as you're at the restaurant eating, as you go to a movie, make disciples, invite people. We're going to be inviting. Now, not only are we going to do inviting, we're going to be inviting. When you're here, I really want part of our culture to be this. If you see somebody and you don't know them, you don't recognize them, you just walk them and say, wow, I don't think I know your name. I don't think I've ever met you. And our culture is that we're not going to be offended. So if you've been here 50 years, you don't get to say, psst, you don't know me. I built this place. You don't get to say that anymore. You don't get to say that. You say, oh, right on. I don't think I know you either. And you're like, I'm new. And you're like, I'm here 50 years. Right on. We love that. That's inviting. We'll start today. We're going to start that today. After the service, we're going to be inviting. And then he says this. I love this. What joy awaits both the planter and the harvester? Man, think about the joy that someone will have when they come to Christ. Let me tell you something. Think about the joy that you would have when you've invited someone and you know they came to Christ. Wow. Really? That's awesome. Like, that's going to be really cool. So here's the deal. We're going to be here. We're going to be connected. We're going to be inviting. i got one more B for you, and that is this. We're going to be generous. That's the tendency of this church. It's just the history of this church. This is a generous church. You all are generous people. Did you know this? In a year that's tough, it was tough financially, and God was so good to us at the end of the year, just so gracious. You folks were so generous. Did you know this? That Did you know that your church actually tithes? I don't know if you're really aware of that. Did you know that your church tithes? Did you know that of all the funds that come in, even though we have ministries to support? I mean, John told you we support over 100 missionaries. We support missions projects all over the world here in our own city. Did you know that this year we didn't tithe? We didn't do it because tithe biblically is 10%. Did you know that we didn't do that this year? We didn't give away 10%. Did you know that we gave away 12%? Did you know about all the missionaries that we support? My, generous. You all are generous. You, you, we probably do, I probably do a really terrible job of letting you know how generous you've been. But I'm, I'm telling you, you're generous. 
And people come to Christ because of the giving of you folks. And so we're going to continue to be generous. I love this passage in Scripture which says this. Give and you will receive. Your gift will return to you. It's going to come back to you full. Oh, more than full. Pressed down, shaken together, making room for more, running over and poured into your lap. It's like this idea. You give somebody a gift and it's some food or something like that and it's in a can, right? And you give that to them. And this passage is saying here, here's how it comes back to you. They didn't give you back one where they just kind of put stuff in a can. Oh, no, no. They gave you that can back, and it's like jammed down in there. And then you shake it, shake it, shake it, and you jam some more, and you make some more room, and you shake it, and you make room, and you jam it, and it's going to be overflowing, pouring into your lap. That's the principle. And so one of the things that we really encourage people to do is to tithe. Now, that's a really hard one for people, and I know it. Tithe literally means, biblical meaning of tithe is 10%. And I've told this story before, but I have a buddy who's a non-Christian, and he heard about that, that people in the church do that, and he knows I'm a Christian. And he goes, man, do you do that? Do you, do you tithe? Do you give 10%? And I said, in our home, we do. We do. And he says, that's a lot of money. You know what you could do with that? And I was like, I know what we're doing with it, brother. I know what we're doing. And I will also tell you this. I, I, I've told this before. This is not a brag. I'm just saying, your leaders do this. Your staff does this. They tithe. They give offerings above and beyond that. We support missionaries. I, you cannot believe the craziest life that I've had and the way that I've seen the favor of God in my life. And I believe when I, first Sunday school, uh, first, uh, I remember a first allowance we got, buck a week, buck a week. I was in uh, kindergarten or first grade, buck a week. And my folks said, you get a buck a week, but 10 cents of that has to go in the Sunday school basket. And from that time as a kid, 10%, 10%. Got my first job washing dishes in a restaurant at 13, 10%, 10%. Worked through high school, worked in college, 10%. When I had my business, 10%. The favor of God has been on me like you cannot believe. You know that, hey, just do this. Look, everybody look. There's no way to explain that. That's the favor of God. I'm a blabbering idiot most days. That is the favor of God on my life. Why? Tithers. We're tithers, man. We're tithers. And so I would encourage you to say, ooh, 10%. That's a big hit. I don't know if I'm ready for that. Okay, be a fiver. Start with a fiver. You know? What if you said 5%? What if you started with that? What if you started with that? Allow God to bless you. Now, I'll tell you this because I say it every time I talk about money. Here's what I would do if I were you. Pray about it. Talk to God about it, commit about it, but commit to it, and begin to tithe. Do it for 90 days. At the end of 90 days, if you feel like you got suckered, if you feel like that's the worst financial mistake you've ever made in your life, you let the church know, you call the church, you don't have to be, give a big explanation, we'll send you a check and we'll give you every penny back. I am so convicted and so convinced about the favor of God on our life when we give back to him. Amen. Malachi says this, the prophet Malachi was say, talking about tithing, and he said, he talked to the nation of Israel, and he said, you folks are stealing from God. They're like, what? What do you mean tithing? We're we're, uh, the, because the light bill, we couldn't pay the bills. And so <laughs> that's what happens. And so the lights just go out. And he said, and all of you are in trouble as well. <laughs> yes, praise Jesus, the lights came back. And so uh, he says, you all are stealing from God. How are we stealing from God? Because you're not tithing. And then he says this, and I love this. I love it. He says, do this, test me and see if I won't bless you like crazy. Uh, I'm good with that. I, I, I believe God. I trust him. You believe you got suckered after 90 days? 
You send me a, a, an email, you, you call us, you let us know, we'll give you every penny back. God has always taken care of this church, has always, because of the generosity of this church, right? It also says this, the amount you give will determine the amount that you get back. Now, we don't give so that we get back. It's not a formula, everybody, but it is a principle. It is a principle. So here's what we're going to do this year. We're going to be here. We're going to be connected. We're going to be inviting, and we're going to be generous. Why? Because we're a mission-oriented group. Because we have a mission. Because we're not just showing up to do church. We are the church. And we're a church on a move. And get a load of this. We actually can advance the kingdom of God this year if we'll work together. I believe at the end of the year we can give great reports about the kingdom of God moving forward and how we've seen that. Right? So uh, in just a second we're going we're gonna to sing a song. And I want us to like, think about what we're singing. Think about the words we're saying. I love this. It says this. Show me one thing. He can't do. Show me a mountain he can't move. He's the God of the breakthrough, and anything is possible. Man, do we believe that? Can we stand to our feet? We're going to prepare. We're going to worship. We're going to commit to this. And, uh, I think this is going to be one of the greatest years. I believe that with all my heart. I believe this could be one of the most significant, one of the greatest years that this church has ever seen. And I think that God wants to move powerfully. But remember this, we've got to be right with God. And we've got work to do. We've got work to do. And so let's commit ourselves to that. Let's commit ourselves to the work of God over this next year. Let's commit to being the church. We're going to be here and we're going to encourage each other. We're going to get really, really connected. That's how the real discipleship happens. We're going to be inviting people right and left wherever you go. Poor you am I as you're going about your business, right? And then we're going to be generous. So, Father, hear our prayer this morning, God. We want for your kingdom. Never, ever in a million years the kingdom of this church. We're not better than any other church. We're just your people who say we love you who want for your kingdom, who want for your namesake, and we want to commit ourselves to that in a new year, God. Grant us the strength. Help us to just stick with it, even in difficult times. Would you grant us that, oh God? We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.